Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Thank you. Man, it's so good to be in church this morning, this afternoon, this morning. It's still morning. How are you doing? Good. Are you liking this series on risk and reward? Man, it was such a good uh, message. If you haven't heard last week's message, you should go to the podcast and listen to it because it's excellent. Pastor Justin talks about um, about kind of riding the wave of faith and how faith often looks like risk, right? And I was I was thinking about risk and reward uh, over this last few weeks, and I actually just I tossed a, a question out on Instagram yesterday. Or Friday, just saying, I'm doing a little study on risk. What's the first, like word association, what's the first thing that you think of when you hear risk? How about you? Maybe just shout it out. Danger, fear. Fear, yeah. That, that was the predominant response was fear, anxiety, vulnerability. That was the, pr- the predominant response to risk. Ugh! It's this knee-jerk reaction of, eh, I don't know, Right? We kind of get that bit of anxiety in us, the bit of thought like, what? Uh, something could go wrong, right? Now, um, interesting thing about uh, when we start talking about water and waves, riding waves, I think the, the thought that comes to my mind if, is, what if, I, what if I can't float? That's kind of the first thought that came to me. Now, uh, can, anyone, can anybody not float, like for real, literally, in the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so. I have never been able to float. I have tried and tried, and seriously, I cannot float. And now, I, I told myself early enough on that it's probably like a muscle mass fat ratio that it's just muscles heavier than fat, obviously. But, <clears throat> and that theory worked while I was a teenager. But then when we started having kids, and my forty-pound-year-old kid that has like two percent body fat's like, it's so easy. Look, star. Pencil, roll over, like doing like aquatics, and I'm ah, never mind. So that that theory doesn't doesn't fly, I guess. I try, and I will literally just sink down. Then I'll sit on the bottom of the pool or wherever. It's ridiculous. But I think sometimes with faith, we have this knee jerk reaction, this fear of what if I can't float? It's great to talk about be out there and step out of the boat and like walk on water, all these images, these visuals of having faith, and they're great visuals, but there is a, uh, a human fear in us that doesn't trust what will happen and doesn't trust ourselves. So I want to unpack a little bit of how we respond to that question of what if I don't float. Now, the only time I will say that I was able to float, aside from the aid of flotation devices, um, was when my wife and I were in Turkey, and we were in the, on the Mediterranean, right? And the water's extra salty there, extra salty. And I was like, Brandy, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if it's just being in another continent. I just I had an epiphany. My body is one with the water, and I can float all of a sudden. Obviously, it was because of the salt in the water. And it was this extra buoyancy. But I think there are some, some principles. I'm going to call them salty principles. That will, uh, that will help us while we're faced with the question of what if I can't float, the fear of stepping out in faith, stepping out in risk, some salty principles that will help us to, to float, okay? All right? So why don't you look to the person next to you saying, get a little salty, 
All right? Get a little salty. Okay, now turn to the next person on the other side and, and give your, like, your saltiest expression. It can be like an eye roll. It can be a, like a stank face. Like, yeah, whatever you want to do, just give, give them a little salty look. All right? <laughs> wow, I didn't know some of you had it in you. That is, that's frightening. Okay, first, first salty principle, as we're talking about what if I can't float, is we need to get our bearings, okay? When I say get our bearings, I mean we need to decide and determine what it is that we're having faith in, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, anything, anytime I've been out in the water, anyone who knows the ocean or the sea, it's all about finding your bearings, finding either the horizon, finding which way north is. Sometimes when you're underwater and you're disoriented, anyone who's maybe done like actual like scuba diving, you got to know which way's up, get your bearings, right? So you need to get your bearings. And looking in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and following, why don't you turn there with me? Hebrews 11. give you a second there. We're going to go verse 1 to 3 and then skip ahead a bit too. So the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By the ancients, he's talking about all the heroes of the faith, different characters. And if you read, man, if you read chapter 11, you'll you'll get encouraged and inspired. So I encourage you to do that today when you go home. Hebrews 11. But so verse 3, chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. When I was a kid, my mom used to have this little rhyme thing. It was like, By faith we understand that the universe is formed at God's command. It's kind of good. It kind of sticks in your head. Hebrews 11, 3. Should try it. It's a good, it's a good little tool. Hide his word in your heart. All right. Uh, it says, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Okay? So we have, in order to get your bearings, you, it does require a choice. It requires faith. And it's, it's kind of like we have to have faith to have faith. Right? Your faith has to inform you that it's okay to have faith in something else. And maybe you, maybe you feel like, ah, I'm not really a faith person. I'm not really gifted that way. Or, or maybe you're actually questioning the existence of God or why we're here or everything. You say, ah, I'm not really a faith person. Actually, I would argue that you are a faith person regardless. Because since none of us were around at the dawn of the world, we all are having faith in something. You either have faith in a God, you have faith in no God, you have faith in science, faith in yourself. We all have faith in something or somebody. And if you don't have faith, if you don't have faith to the right thing, that's going to keep you buoyant in times of turbulence and stormy weather, then you're in trouble, right? So you need to orient yourself and you need to get your bearings on what your faith is resting in. Right? So, and something I found out about, about Jesus, we, we feel like, we feel like, oh God, if, if, if God calls me to step out in faith and to have risk, he's going to send me somewhere terrible. Right? How many of you have thought that? Oh, man, I don't want, I don't want to say, God, I trust you or else you're going to send me somewhere that's hard and horrible that uh, I'm going to feel lonely and all myself. But you know what? Jesus has never 
I look through the Bible and I've never seen a passage where Jesus has intended somebody to succeed and has sent them and said, you go for it and check back with me at some point. You're on your own. I can't find that anywhere. I, I see verses like Joshua 1.9 where he, he's instructing Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be terrified or discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go right? So that's, that's, you think, Old Testament. I see countless times in the Psalms where David is crying out to God, but then he said, ah, but I know that you're with me, right? And then even in, in the New Testament, right? So we're going to go old and new, just so in case anybody feels like, ah, that was the old. It's, it's not the same anymore. Matthew, end of Matthew, where Jesus is sending out the disciples. It's a really famous passage. We call it the Great Commission. When he sends out the disciples, he says, in chapter 28, verse, uh, verse 19 and 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Listen to this. And surely, what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Not, not I will be with you for a little bit, or not I will be with you... Um, until this task is done, and then we'll see how you do. And the next one, you're on your own. I will be with you forever, always. He always goes with us, and he will prepare a way before, and he will go with us. That's just his nature, because he's always calling us in, and then he calls us out, right? I see, even see the rhythm of Jesus and the disciples. He, he spends time with them, and then, he, then he, he gathers them together, has a little powwow, kind of a little meetup, and then he says, all right, now, now go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, and you're going to go, and, now, and then come back, and go and come back. And I think um, in this life of faith, of risk and reward, we don't need to be scared of God sending us and not going with us. So that's that kind of first salty principle is just is get your bearings on the, on the right thing, <laughs> right? Because he is always going to, he's always with us. He's always with us. And he, I find that he, he's kind of like a, it's kind of like a harbor. Like he will call us in, like ships come in, they get repaired, they get replenished with what they need. And then he says, all right, now, now let's go. Now we're going to go out and I've given you what you need. So we're going to go out on this mission, on this adventure, what I've called you to, but, but I will be with you. Okay, so let's get our bearings. Second salty principle. Liz likes that. She's giggling to herself. Second salty principle is we need to accept the rhythm of risk and reward. Okay, there's a rhythm to the ocean, you know. You get in, sometimes the rhythm can make you a little bit seasick, right? But you need to accept this rhythm of the ups and downs. Because any time that we are called to a life of faith and risk, it is completely natural that there will be failure and there will be moments of great favor. And we need to accept that both exist. And I think sometimes, sometimes for, the, for maybe the perfectionists in the room, right? You know who you are. Uh, for the perfectionists in the room, we, we maybe feel like I'm not even going to start that because I, I probably don't know everything there is to know about it. I might look bad. I might fail. And it might be painful and all of this. So I would rather remove myself from the situation and just check in when I know it's going to be something that I that I'm trained in or that I, that I can get a step ahead with, right? 
And that's a natural fear that we have, but, uh, but there's a rhythm of faith is kind of like a muscle that you have to work, right? And some days you have to learn things that are new, and the next day sometimes it really hurts. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, no, I've never seen somebody... Maybe you can come and tell me later if you're one of the people I've never met. But I've never, I've never met somebody who has maybe learned to ride a bike or swim without any training, without any instruction, and done it perfectly, right? It's just not natural. <laughs> it's new. It's something we haven't done. And I tell my kids when I'm teaching them to ride a bike, you have to keep pedaling, right? You, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna balance well if you just stop. And there's an exhilaration, and there's also a terror that comes with learning to bike, that learning to swim, that the what if. But if you, if, you, if you don't get out there and start moving and accepting that, um, that it might be a little bit painful, but have an eye on the horizon of the reward that's coming, then that, that's where victory happens, right? That's when we, when we start learning how to test our faith and learning how God speaks to us with his spirit and learning to trust his promises because they are always good. Right? So, and, and another thing about that is that sometimes in that rhythm of the ups and downs, uh, Kobe was mentioning about comparison earlier today as we were talking and, and how there is a, what did you say? You said comparison is the cheapest way to win and the, and the fastest way to lose. Cheapest way to win, fastest way to lose. And I think when we're in, a, when we're in this wave of comparison, uh, of the rhythm of risk and reward, sometimes when we're in our bottom, we look up and we see somebody who's, who's riding high on a wave. Man, it's easy to compare. It's like, man, God, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to step out in faith. I'm trying to, I, I feel like you're calling me to give this financially, and we're all in the same room, and now how come they just got a promotion and I didn't, and I'm struggling this month? It's easy to compare. And it's, and it's, man, it's hard when you're down and you see somebody else that's up, but there is sometimes when we're down and sometimes when the water rises just a little over our eyes and we can feel like, oh no, this was the wrong choice. Mayday, get back in the boat, hurry. Uh, there is, that's, that's where we learn to really trust. That's where we learn to remember. And if we remember where we've oriented our faith, we know that, okay, this is, this feels scary, I'm going under for a second. I'm going to come back up. Just trust the process. Trust the rhythm. And it is going to come back up. And I, and I know I'm not going to, I know God's not going to let me sink because he's told me that. So I'm going to trust where I'm oriented and I'm going to just uh, trust the rhythm. And what can I do in that, in that down moment? And that's something I've found that's really, that's challenged me. And I would ask you to question your, your own heart and yourself that when you're in that moment that is low, like how can I make this the most productive? What can what is something I can do? And it might be something simple. Probably is something simple because honestly faith is simple. It's hard, but it is simple. Right? There's there's Jesus says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Okay, so he didn't he didn't say come back with a with a schematic of your plan for how you're gonna follow me for the next I'm, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone who likes to be a planner, but, but faith in God uh, doesn't require all of the steps from when you were born to when you die. It just requires right now. Like, what are you going to do right now? What can, we can project, but, but let's not rely too much on what our own wisdom is, because then sometimes we, we're, we forget to be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying in the moment, to trust Him, right? So it's simple. It's not complicated. It is hard, but it is simple. 
And my family and I, we, we went through a pretty, uh, an incredibly challenging time over this last year. And there, has, there have been moments where the simple Sunday school answers of faith were all we had to utter to our own hearts. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible says so. That's all. That's all I got. And sometimes all we have is, is to say, I, I, I trust you. I, if I believe, if my faith is oriented to you, what other response is there? But I guess I, I trust you because I can't trust me because there are some times when we have zero that we can do about the situation except when we trust and that's that, that buoyancy God brings to our spirit right and sometimes we have to tell our spirit have to tell our heart to trust to trust again to trust again Romans 5 Romans 5 is a an amazing passage and it says uh, starting in verse 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace faith and grace go together so much Right? We even need grace to have grace for people. We need God's grace to have faith for people. By faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. That sounds crazy, but because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. And then you go a few chapters later in verse, in verse 8, 8 verse 37, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not going anywhere. He is right here and he's calling us in. He's saying, just trust the process. What can you do right now? You just, you just trust in me, son and daughter. Like you just, I've got you. Don't go back into the boat. We're, we're going. And it's kind of like baby steps, right? It's like your dad holding out your hands. Okay, okay, just a little further. Just a little further, you can trust. Last salty principle I wanted to mention is this, uh, the, ch the choice to keep on holding on, right? And Brandy wants to just share a little bit. Over the years, our family has gone through different seasons of risk. Some of those times of risk have been ones we've chosen, like we've had an idea and thought, you know what, like we're going to go for it. We're going to do it. We're going to take that plunge. One of those times was when we moved our whole family to India for a few years. And we had, looking back, not a hot clue what we were getting ourselves into, but we took that step and we were in it. And that was a choice. And that was an amazing time in our life. And then there's been other times when we've taken risks because we have felt like we haven't had a choice. Like, I feel like there's been times we've felt punted over the edge, like, well, this is happening to us, so here we go. And I can tell you that through all of those different times of risk, there has been times that we have felt low. There have been times where it has failed. And there have been times where God has poured out his blessing and fruit and favor. 
there's been both. And I would say that that's probably our experience as human beings for the, in, the entire length of our lives. Joel mentioned that this year our family went through a really hard time. And some of you know our story and some of you don't. Uh, this February, the end of February, we lost our son just before he was five months old. And I look at that time and I think, man, that was one of those times where there was a risk that we had no choice but to take. So our son was diagnosed with a really rare disease and it took a while to figure out what was wrong with him. He's the smallest and youngest at the time that we knew globally that, would ha that had this disease. And uh, I remember sitting almost, it was actually this past weekend a year ago, sitting in Children's Hospital and this whole huge team of like 20 people filed into our hospital room. And at that point, Joel and I were still thinking like, oh man, this is inconvenient. Like when are these people gonna figure this out and we can get home and just like continue on with our other kids and then life. And uh, they all filed in to tell us this big diagnosis, what they believed Harbor had, and they, which was our son's name, by the way, is Harbor. But uh, they said, this is what we think he has. And I remember uh, one particular specialist, like me asking her, can you please write down what our treatment options are on this whiteboard? And as she was talking, I remember thinking, so you're basically telling me we have zero options. Like there's nothing... We're going to supportive care him. We're going to try to make him comfortable. There's this one medication that we actually don't have any access to in our province. Our province hasn't funded it or even approved it. Other provinces in Canada have, but that would be like the only possible like possibility for some life. And I just remember her writing this all down. I have a picture of it. They all filed out and left and talked about the complexity of Harbor's case and just sitting there feeling like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, what do we do? We can't, we don't have access to this medication. We don't know what to do. So then we went to the media and through a series of things, we ended up being able to get that medication approved. And so I remember Harbor was in the PICU and I remember I was at home with my other kids. Joel was doing his like three day shift at the hospital with Harbor and he got pulled into this side room where this team said, listen, we have got funding for this medication. They're gonna basically fly it here. We're gonna have it here in the morning. Can you consent? And we didn't even really know the side effects. They had never used it on a small kid before. And so all we knew is it was like our only chance. And as we learned more, so we signed, right? We signed. And what we learned was that actually that medication is, was his only chance, was Harbor's only chance at life. But it was also the thing that could have complications and kill him. And so it was a risk. It was like, for sure he's going to die or we're going to take the risk and just really hope for the best. And so that medication kicked in. We actually saw him finally start to recover and regain some function that he was missing, a, a myriad of things. We brought him home. We basically became nurses. We learned all these things. We're caring for him. There's ebb and flow. And we are just starting to space out our appointments at the hospital. He had to get this infusion every two weeks. But all his other blood work was starting to finally show consistent improvement. It was like we spent one week, two days at the hospital seeing all of our specialists, and it was like the first time we'd had good news in four and a half months. And so I remember Joel coming home that night with Harbor. Other kids went to bed, and uh, we went downstairs and saw our oldest, Tanisha, and said goodnight. And then 
we came upstairs and had to give him his shots and his other medicine, and he just seemed a little off, you know? He just seemed, like, a little more uncomfortable, a little bit harder to, like, get that medicine in him. But all day he had been great, so and we just heard this good news, so we kind of felt like it was probably fine. And then he um, just started, like, kind of crying and whining, which was really unusual for him, pulling up his little legs. And for the whole night, like, we called our doctors. We just did some things and just thought, like, oh, in the morning we'll go see his doctor and he it should be okay. But what actually happened was that following morning, we woke up and saw that there was no more breath in his little body, that um, there was nothing we could do to resuscitate him. It was a flurry of people in our house. It was people doing everything they knew how to do. And we just held him and looked at him. And they tried all these things and just had a sense of, like, he's gone. Like, we don't, he's not here. There's no more breath in his lungs. He's gone. And I remember that moment, especially this moment with our whole family in our bedroom, all taking turns holding him and kissing him and saying goodbye, thinking somehow I have to believe that God is good. And I don't know what that goodness looks like in this, but I hope, I hope that his presence will be enough to keep standing. And it was. And it has been every single day. That risk that we didn't have a choice in, that risk that we didn't have a choice in, God showed us that he could help sustain us, keep us standing, keep us floating. And in the times when it felt like this could not be worse. We could not handle one more thing. I was always reminded that, yes, you can. You will handle what comes in front of you. You will ride the wave. You will be able to stand strong. You will have hope and faith and have the ability to not only just stand, but one day you will thrive. You will thrive. And no matter how long and hard and cold and bitter that winter is or those feelings of sinking, the spring always comes. The spring will always come. And for some of us, we get to experience many ups and downs in this life. In my life with Harbor, the spring is going to come on the other side of eternity. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for that. And I remember after we lost Harbor thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if we can risk ever again. Like I own anything. Like I just felt so disappointed like deeply disappointed. We had prayed so fervently for something and, and it failed. We didn't get what we wanted. And I just remember feeling debilitated. And I remember Joel like almost immediately after losing Harbor saying, I wonder if we could like try for another baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is not, that is firstly for a like, firstly I'm thinking like, the last thing I wanna do is make a baby. And I also thought, and I also thought, I don't think I'm brave enough. Like, I don't think I could try again because this thing that Harbor had, like, possibly my other kids could have it. There's no way to test for it because there's just too many variables. But, like, it's possible. It's, like, within the realm of genetic possibility that another baby could have it. Like, I do not feel brave enough to try to do that again because what if I, we risk and we lose? What if? And what was interesting is we spent some time fasting and praying. 
and I felt like there was no audible voice or moment of guarantee that we would have what we wanted if we tried for a baby, which would be a healthy addition to our family. There's zero guarantee of that. But I did feel like God was saying, yeah, what if it's really bad, but what if it's great? What if you get a healthy baby? What if you get the gift of life? What if you fight for something and you actually get to see it through on the other side? What a testimony to you. What a pillar of faith, a marker of God's goodness and faithfulness and generosity and his goodness, his goodness to us. What, what if that happens? And I feel like we started talking about it and I felt like, this is a choice. This is not the risk that we have, like that we're forced to take. This is a risk we get to choose. And if I have one moment of bravery, but we'll try, we'll try. And we did, and we got pregnant. And so here we are, halfway through a pregnancy. And I don't have any guarantees. And when this little baby is born, I don't know if their blood work will come back clear or not. I don't know, but I'm believing for the best because the greatest thing we can do is love. Jesus loves us, and it doesn't matter how good or bad our circumstances are, that love remains. And our ability to choose to keep on loving doesn't have to depend on if our circumstances are good or bad. We get the ability to choose to love always. And so we are hoping for the best because God is good to us. And if we're disappointed, then I guess we're disappointed. But you know what? God is still with us, and he will help us stand and overcome and grow and learn. So just in closing, uh, we got to keep holding on. <clears throat> I love what Brandy said about maybe we will be disappointed and maybe not. But we know that God is with us. And that principle of I'm going to keep holding on because the waves, sometimes, sometimes those storms last a long time. And sometimes you do feel shipwrecked and you just got to hold on to a piece of your boat and ride it out, right? But knowing where we're oriented, knowing that he says, I've called you, I am with you. And, and I wonder what the horizon could look like if you just keep holding on. David said in Psalm 27, he's calling out to God because there's enemies that are coming against him and and, uh, and he has no guarantee of his survival. But, but David was anointed king years ago, this passage, and, and he continues to come back to it and say, you know, but God promised me something. He promised I would lead. He promised that he, I had a, a hope and a future, which, by the way, is the same type of promise that we all have today. God says he, he will be with us. He says he has called us all to something bigger than ourselves if we would trust him. And, and David says in Psalm 27, he goes through this whole passage of uh, praising Jesus, praising God and saying, I, I trust you, please defend me, be my stronghold. And then this passage at the end, verse 13 and 14 of chapter 27, he says, I am still confident of this. I will, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
And then he says, he says to his own soul, and sometimes we got to say to our own soul, sometimes he says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And that's that faith. Faith calls on more faith. Remember, it's not faith in us because we're all going to sink on our own. None of us knows how to float on our own. But as we call the faith that's, that's in us because God, he's put heaven in our hearts when he created us. He's, he's, he's created this, this shape in us that can only be filled by him. And when we allow him to fill that space in our heart, in our life, in our choices, he helps us to float. He helps us to stand, helps us to battle out the storm and to continue on to see what it is that he's called us to, what our destiny is here on earth and in the next. And I'm excited about heaven. It's going to be great. But I don't want to waste my time right now. Because there's some choices that we have to make that are going to be hard and that we might feel like we're going under a bit, but we can trust the rhythm. Because why? Because we're trusting who we're anchored in. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.